And so we just kind of naturally began talking about it, um, looking at spaces, seeing what was available. You know, I had worked in banking now for four years. So I had some contacts just in Milwaukee in general of real estate brokers. You know, I had an idea of how to go after any sort of debt if we needed to get the restaurants open uh, from a borrowing perspective. So I had some good ideas of what we would need to make that happen. So, um, yeah, we just kind of all started putting our heads together. Like, what if what if we did this? And sure enough, we found the Merriman Social Space and we're crazy enough to jump into a lease. Hello and welcome to Food Crush, the On Milwaukee podcast for people who eat. As always, I am your co-host, Matt Miller, culture editor at onmilwaukee.com, and I am joined for the 150th time by my co-host, Lori Frederick, dining editor at onmilwaukee.com. How are you doing today, Lori, for the 150th time? Uh, I don't know. Do I look older? I probably do. Yeah, right? you. Like, yeah, you. Fifty years. One hundred fifty oh, episodes, not one hundred fifty years. Yeah, you yeah. don't look like the skeleton who drank from the wrong Holy Grail in Indiana Jones. Yeah, you're I fine. Know. I'd be doing really well though if I was. So yeah, Here I would say the, yeah, good work. Yeah. Uh, yes, this is our one hundred and fiftieth episode of the Food Crush Podcast, and we thought. What better way to celebrate 150 episodes of this podcast than by having our largest podcast ever? With 150 guests. With 150. We brought all 150 of our previous guests back onto the podcast. We did not. And we're all going to try to talk at once. It's going to be great. Your ears are going to love it. No, we're just kidding. But we do have our largest podcast with not one guest, not Not two guests, but three whole guests. Not including producer producer Gabe, uh, who is yeah. not a guest. Three, three whole guests. You know, what not if our guest guests, was producer kind of, Gabe? What if it was just us chatting with with producer Gabe about Utah uh, cuisine? Which uh, <laughs> what would there to be? I don't know what they eat in Utah. Probably the same um, food as we eat here. Yeah, probably pop, probably Lunchables and Popables. I'm going to look go. it up. I'm going to find anyway. some Utah staples. Uh, but Lori, introduce our not one, not two, but three special guests. Yes. So we are here with Chef Andrew Miller, who is the returning guest on the podcast, um, as well as Cameron White and a Sam three Emery. Yeah. He is a three-timer, important to know. Oh, I just want to say. One. Yeah. Because yeah. we've talked about burgers. We've talked about pizza. We didn't talk about now... burgers. We talked about sandwiches. We talked about the art of the oh, we did. sandwich. Oh, sandwich. Sandwiches. But I guess, well, oh, well, this is important. Is a burger burgers a sandwich? Sa- yes, it is. Andrew, yes. do you agree? Is a burger a sandwich? I would agree with that, yeah. Okay. I was wondering if we put it in its own category. I think is I think it like it's a, a special I think there's lots of variations of it, so it ends up with oh, kind no, of its own Lori, thing. Are, but it is a sandwich. By you know what this means? I have to ask this question. And ironically, I think this was the first thing we ever talked about on the podcast. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Andrew, your thoughts? No. Yes, good, good answer. Not to to pronounce, not to make my bias known early, but correct answer. Uh, Cameron White, other additional guest. No, I would not say that's a sandwich. And and Samuel Emery, additional third guest, is a hot dog a sandwich? If if you butterfly the hot dog so you can cook it quicker and extend its surface area, then you can use a hamburger bun. 
And in that case, I would call it a sandwich. Oh, he audibled. Yeah. I would agree, actually. I think that if you... I like hot dogs. Yeah, if you split the hot dog in half and butterfly it, I think that you can start getting into sandwich territory. But if it is just the sausage in a bun with toppings and such, that's a hot dog. It's its own category of food. It is not a sandwich. And I still disagree vehemently about this because it's still meat on bread with condiments. And that's a sandwich. So would you call it an open-faced sandwich then? No, it's just, it, it's like anything else. I mean, if you put, so if you put ham and cheese. But it's not two pieces of bread. It is one bun. piece of bread, if cut correctly. Yeah. But if you put, if you fill that same hot dog bun with ham and cheese, we wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it a sandwich, honestly. Well, I would. Because you do, you do close the bun around the sandwich to eat it. You're not, anyway. 150 episodes and we're having the same stupid yeah. debate. There, there are other people in the world who agree with me. And I'm, I'm totally fine with being the one, the odd man out on this. Um, and now... Yeah, <laughs> but no, I don't yeah. want to talk about this In the, the name of God, time. let's let our guests yeah, talk about yeah. important things. So, so anyway, but we are here once again with Chef Andrew Miller, Cameron White, and Sam Emery, or Samuel Emery. And they're the co-owners of Merriment Social, Third Coast Provisions, and now Flower Child Pizza, which officially opened this past year um, and debuted, I believe, in some ways the year before and also became a frozen pizza brand <laughs> while, you know, while it was waiting to open. Much so, evolution. Much evolution. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested in, I really, I kind of want to toss this over to you guys. Like, how did you guys, you know, you guys are three friends, essentially, who came together and started a little, a tiny little restaurant empire and a pizza company. Um, How did all of that happen? Well, um, so (laughs) Andrew and I grew up. Well, we all grew up in Naperville, Illinois, but, uh, Andrew and I, from a relatively young age, call it like 12, 13 years old, um, we played tennis together. And so we were well aware of each other. We lived in the same neighborhood and, and kind of were in the same crowds, but not the best of friends. But, uh, it wasn't until about, uh, my sophomore year of college or junior year of, I'm sorry, junior year of high school. Uh, in Andrew's sophomore year of high school, we became doubles partners for the junior varsity tennis team at uh-huh. Naples Valley yeah, big High School. Tennis players, big tennis players. Hard oh, to get balls hey. by these big guys. Um, did, you, did you still play tennis? Not really. We used okay. to a little bit. Like I don't know, probably 2015 was the last time we played. But tennis, uh, tennis bringing the world together. Yeah. So we became doubles partners. We were pretty pretty damn good. Uh, pretty damn good tennis players too (laughs) and um we just became much closer than we were before and i kind of had this group of friends that i hung out with and andrew knew some of them as well through tennis and we all kind of got together started hanging out and andrew and i just became very close and one of the things that we bonded on in particular was food um and he got me my first, well, not my first job, but my first job working with him. He was a uh, basically running an Italian restaurant by the age of like 16, uh, right by our neighborhood. And Humble he got me brag. a job as a delivery driver. 
<laughs> how did you get that? How did you get that swanky gig? As a sixteen-year-old, how are you oh, running man. a restaurant as a sixteen-year-old? Well, you can, yeah, Andrew can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it was a mixture of them just kind of needing people, and then me wanting to work as much as possible. I was like grounded at the time, um, so had to be doing something to occupy my time and just wanted to work and work and work and kind of just worked my way up and learned how to manage that restaurant, but also how not to manage a restaurant, um, in the future. So that was (laughs) the the type of quality establishment it was. Didn't your your parents say that you got grounded for whatever you got in trouble for and you either could work at like the church community center or you had to go get a job and you're like, yeah, Yeah. something, something like that. You might as well get a job and make money. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be the origin story for the TV show, the bear. Yeah. 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 And and someone once told me that you should practice whatever it is you're going to do on someone else's money. So like, you know, learning how to operate a restaurant, you know, make sure you practice it, you know, don't tell my own Milwaukee bosses that. That's, <laughs> that's what I've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say looking back, we inadvertently learned a lot from that restaurant. I mean, by the time we... By the time I was... I'm a year older than these guys. And by the time I was heading off to college, we had really kind of determined this is... Restaurants was something we were very interested in. He had decided to go to culinary school. Um, was super passionate about it. You know, I went to school to study finance and we also, you know, in addition to bonding over tennis and restaurants and food, we also took a class in finance, like a really entry level finance class, um, that was looking into stocks and, um, just the real basics of, of finance. And we both really liked that too. So, you know, the idea of, you know, owning our own business, understanding, the financials behind it and then also doing something really fun was attractive to us. So that, that's we kind so of unusual. Yeah, I know. Um, but <laughs> like we just, the, the, being interested in the financial part or the business part of owning a restaurant is not typical at all. No, you know, but we knew, so, we knew that for it you, was something, I mean, that's, we knew that something, yeah. it, it was something we we're going to need in order to be successful. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to college, studied finance. He went to, uh, off to culinary school. We obviously stayed in touch you know, I remember one of the f- one time we went to Alinea before Alinea was even Alinea. It was probably like the first six months of it being open. Um, and we weren't even 21. We were, I think, just barely 18. He might have been 17. We took my mom's car, drove down there and had like their 21 course tasting menu at the time. And that was the first time spent that all I your, spent all your money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Andrew had a lot of money because he worked all the time. He had a lot more money than I did. Oh, that's true. He was grounded. <laughs> you, you must have been grounded for a long time. <laughs> an entire I, summer, I, give or take. I, I, I sort of, I sort of am dying to ask you what you did. Yeah, I'm, you could, you could refuse, but you know. Huh. Go ahead, Andrew. You can tell. What was the question again? <laughs> I said I'm sort of dying to ask you what you were grounded for. Oh, has it, has um, it been long well, enough where you can? So, I mean, share? yeah, like I mean, basically, <laughs> basically something that's you know not not so frowned upon in Wisconsin, but in Illinois. Right. Um, yeah. Underage drinking is is not oh, uh, sure. not <laughs> great, not a great thing. So, well, it's technically not here either, but there's well, probably more of it. Probably more of it, and yeah, yeah. yeah and it wasn't. It was. It wasn't even. I don't know. My my parents are they. 
let's just say overreacted with with the punishment yeah. um, for, for what it was. <laughs> oh, he was oh, it oh, wasn't, my parents wasn't were, anything yeah. serious. You yeah. weren't knocking back like a twenty four pack of Heineken in your room, and like, <laughs> no, it was it was more like five or six uh, like Smirnoff ices or something. There you go. There well, you go. Isn't, the, isn't that so. punishment enough already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It probably is. So, okay. So, and I might be jumping ahead here, but you guys found Sam somewhere <laughs> along the line. Fellow tennis later? enthusiast, maybe? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's funny is that, like, so I went to a different high school than they did. So there was like Nequa Valley. There was Naperville Central. Those were the two really big high schools. And we all, I was friends with, you know, kids that went to their school, but I did not know these two Husky boys. You know, I did not know the the, the Masters tennis doubles partners or whatever. Um, but that restaurant that Andrew got grounded and then ended up running again, at 16 and 17 years old, running a full restaurant, all of my friends. And I didn't know Cam at the time. I didn't know Andrew at the time actually worked for Andrew as delivery drivers, you know, and Gosh. I had a fake ID when I was really young. So again, bringing back to drinking and I would, I would drive by all of the booze and stop in Pasta Mori's parking lot and I would distribute it to everybody. And I'd be waiting for people to come back from deliveries. So, you know, the question, how did we all get back together? When we started realizing our connections, when we did link up in college, I was like, I was in that parking lot. I was at that party. Yeah, I'd have to wait back for X, Y, and Z to get back from their delivery so I could get them their six-pack of Smirnoff ice or whatever I was delivering for the parties. But it was <laughs> it was in college when I met Andrew is when um, we crossed paths. And then so we said, were you, yeah. all, you all ended up at the same school? No. So Northern <laughs> Illinois University. Um, <laughs> Andrew, Andrew ended up going to culinary school. Culinary Institute mm. of America. Oh, yeah. That, um, yeah. The, the, he always calls it the Culinary Hogwarts. Um, and yeah. he worked around other places and, you know, wanted to get a business degree also because he, you know, again, graduating a year early from high school, then going to culinary school, graduating early from there, then working around making money. That wasn't enough for him. He's like, let me go get an accounting degree real quick. Um, I think he was the fastest to get through the accounting program, but. Um, I had just gone through a tough time of my like, you know, 21 year old crisis. And I came back to this house of goons that I built. And I was trying to stay away from, you know, the temptations of drugs and alcohol. And I run into Andrew and he's like, I'm a chef. I'm like, okay, well, I'll allow to, I'll be allowed to eat still. So, um, and that's where we met at Northern Cameron went to um, IU, Indiana University. Oh, okay. So I see. So, so that connection came when Andrew went back to school. Yeah. And Andrew, I think you said you, you did that. You kind of graduated, graduated with your culinary degree and then were like burnt out a little bit and then decided it'd be a good idea to go back. Am I getting that story wrong? Um, yeah, yes and, well, yes and no. Like yes not no. burnt out, but not, not sure if I wanted to go into the um, culinary side of things like full oh, yeah. head on. Um, mm-hmm. So I was going to go to uh, a school downtown Chicago called Kendall. Um, mm-hmm. And they have various like degrees um, that are hybrid between like management, management or like quote unquote mm-hmm. business, but not like, 
an accounting degree or a finance degree. Um, yeah, the traditional kind of, sense. kind of more professionally, like right, they're, correct. they're more finely tuned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I was going to go there. They, and then like the, the year that I was enrolling, they like had a like massive price increase because they got acquired or partnered with a new hotel and or new school in Switzerland, like a hotel school. Um, and I think that they're still partnered with them, but the price increase was, you know, something egregious. Um, and having just spent a pretty penny at, uh, the CIA didn't really want to go down that route again. So chose a in-state school that had good, uh, good business program, good accounting program. And that's that. Cool. Cool. Okay. So, so you were all in college, you met and all of you, I guess, Sam included, you guys all ended up interested in building a business together. Yeah. Was it was it the building the business or was it food, which was kind of the most intriguing? It was, it was it was the food. I think we all just you know Andrew is in a lot better shape now, but he used to be a little thicker and right there with Cameron and myself. Um, but you know he will always be a little fat kid at heart because he likes to eat, and so do we. Um, I honestly, these guys were just so intelligent and so smart and had such a big dream at a year early age that it was like, you know, I didn't even think about being an entrepreneur. I was just trying to like get through school and like, you know, the wind was blowing me everywhere, but these guys were like, I need to, I need to be with these guys and did everything I can to make them fall in love with me. So they'd let <laughs> come along on the journey. But I would say that when I met Cameron for the first time, I was like, you know, uh, what is this guy going to be like? You know, best friends with Andrew, tennis partners. I've never met him. And I remember we went to Lucky Lou's for our first like little date. We had to like do something when Cameron was, when Andrew was like working or something, right? Cam? You were coming up to like stage or something, right, Andrew? Yeah. Or yeah, interview, I think, or I, interview, I, think I was inter- interviewing at... Uh... I don't know, Serge or Bartolotta or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, Cameron, Cameron got a job up here at a bank a year before Andrew and I graduated. So he convinced us to come up to Milwaukee, had an amazing night up here. And so, yeah, so Andrew was staging somewhere and I came up to visit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you stayed yeah. with me. You guys were staying <laughs> with me because I, like Sam said, I moved up here about a year before they graduated because, okay. um, and I took a job in commercial banking. And just realized that Milwaukee had a lot of opportunity. We never really envisioned coming to Milwaukee. That was never really part of the plan. It was, I got a great job offer and I took it. And then when I got here, I realized that, frankly, there was just a lot of opportunity for for restaurants. I I liked some of the places, but I thought, you know, this is 11 years ago. I thought there was room for improvement. Yeah, that was kind of the Milwaukee blank slate period where it was like yeah. the, the Milwaukee culinary scene was really starting to get its legs, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. It had developed enough that you could easily see potential, right. Yeah, you know, and people were coming here and definitely interested in eating. Yeah. But, um, but there definitely was some definitely flagship. room. I mean, there's, you know, still... The foundation was getting built. You had these like yeah. pillar restaurants that I was like, okay, yeah, there's, there's, there's something starting to build here. And then obviously now it's grown into yeah. what it is now. Yeah. For uh, sure. It was yeah. good timing, honestly. I mean, um, mm-hmm. when we had talked about it, 
you know, I was basically pitching them on it because it was always Chicago. That was that was the goal. Um, and when they finally came up to visit, they realized it was like a summer day. It was Brady Street Fest. Um, you know, we just had a we had a great weekend. It was just a ton of fun. And they're like, Milwaukee's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah. So they they basically at that moment just decided they were going to come up and um, yeah, started planning around that. What jobs would we work? You know, what, what would they do in order to, to get up here? So I think that's what Sam's alluding to the first time we, we met, had a little bro date at Lucky Lou's and realized how much we had in common over Chinese food, which is still a pretty (laughs) large, uh, common denominator with us. Um, I I remember him being like standing in line and, and he was like, do you want to split something? And I was like, split something like i just have never really <laughs> ever been asked that you know i had girlfriends and stuff but like it, I, I never really thought about that and he's like yeah like you know we can split something that way we can like taste you know more stuff and like do you know and i i remember that being like wow yes like we can do that and and we, we <laughs> still do it uh, um i encourage others to do it because you do you need to try everything and you know uh, uh and still some people I, I i test and ask them to do that they're like wait what no why would i know that, like, that was the day samuel Matt. learned about small plate restaurants right, right. <laughs> <laughs> i did i i i will say i used to be a real small plate restaurant hater and i know lucky loses in the small plate restaurant yeah. but jokes aside but i <laughs> i really hated small plate restaurants and i was like give me a full plate of food i ordered my plate of food i want my plate matt was having his plate of food i have learned and i think it's because i've probably become a more adventurous eater and now i'm i'm not i'm more willing to try other things as opposed to like now being but i i i've i've grown i've learned uh, an appreciation for the small plate and it is nice to kind of feast on a whole bunch a whole menu of food as opposed it's the to taste, it's the flavors you know i'm like i always tell people you know i didn't get chunky by just overeating because i love to feel you know heavy and shitty you know i <laughs> i i've got this way because you know some people really love music and some people really love you know uh, a massage <laughs> you know taste taste is the is my favorite yeah. sense i think it's all of ours well well and there's also there's also that aspect of you need to eat more than one thing to get to know a place. And I'm always the person who thinks that they probably will order the one thing they shouldn't have ordered. I don't know. Somehow I will order the one dish that is not impressive, you know, because I'll order something unusual or into the sounds interesting to me. And I don't know. Um, So I really, really think eating multiple dishes with multiple people, you know, Everything can't be perfect, so that gives you a chance to know whether a place is worth a muster. So yeah. was was it always? Anyway, was there always this idea of like pizza kind of floating in the background, kind of as this unifier, or was it always kind of like you all had your separate kind of yeah. restaurant now, food you, ideas? Didn't you guys? Weren't you guys initially going to start a Mediterranean restaurant? Didn't you have investors yeah, like way yeah. back? Yeah. I mean, so, so. I, so, so, so the first time I met Andrew, he was working at home. Well, maybe it was, was it 1812 or had it become 12, home? 1812, yeah. 1812? 812. Yeah. Or 812. I think it was probably, probably home. It might have been at, at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, because I think you took uh, anyway. But you were new there, so you had been hired by Surge, and I think you told me, yeah, I came to Milwaukee originally to do this other thing, and then <laughs> to get a job. That, that didn't work out. Yeah, so got a job, and that you were, and I believe you intimated that you were plotting to do something on your own, you know. Eventually, yeah. but yeah, um, that uh, yeah, that Mediterranean restaurant was. I mean, if you if don't, you, don't if, say the, if, don't say the name, we could still use it. Okay, we won't say, we won't, <laughs> we won't so, say the name. I was going to say I was going to ask you what the name was, and then I was like, no, because you could still you could still make that happen because there's still kind of a lack of Mediterranean food. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. that if if you looked at it, if you if you heard about the concept now, though, you would it would be much less um, trailblazing Exciting. in terms yeah. of. You know how what fast casual has grown into, um, yeah. But still, I, I, there's only one one real concept that's kind of doing it the way we really envisioned it. So, and it's definitely not in Milwaukee. So, yeah, I think we could still do that one day. So, nonetheless, so so you guys kind of had a had a sense of that 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 ended up not working. <clears throat> so. Um, so you kind of went on, I don't know. So Sam, what did you do in the meantime? I mean, before I, you guys I, got I together, because Merriam and Social was your first place. Yeah. And that was completely like out of the norm. I mean, that was, that was a really, really unique concept at, we, that, at that point. Andrew so. was working at, he worked for 812. It was like the busiest restaurant ever. Then all the stuff happened around Ryan Broad. And then I turned into home. And then he had to like rebrand all of that. And then he went to go work for Soloto Zarletti and he worked for, you know, even for Serge, he had to do a bunch of other stuff. And like, we all are roommates, you know, we're living in, on the East side. Like, you know, Cameron has a really great job at a bank and is killing it. And I'm just like this dumbass who like could barely <laughs> graduate college and like, uh, you know, and Andrew really helped mold me in college. You know, we worked at a country club. I mean, this is worth talking about is at this country club. You know, I like sanctioned myself to hard labor. Like I just kind of had gone through this, you know, who am I stage, went all over the country and was drinking and having fun and girls and just kind of lost my mind. Came back and Andrew was that like really soft tummy to cry on and was like, you know, and and taught me about cooking. He lied on his resume at this country club because he wanted a run of the mill you know, uh, a college experience cooking on the line. So he's like, I'll get your ass a dishwashing job. And I'm like, sounds good. No problem. And and I hated the guy there that, you know, he, had, he made us wear like kitchen whites and he was like very like much a dick and was like, <laughs> you know, had a lot of like uh, frozen stuff in the freezers. I remember just always hearing Andrew like, you know, shaking his head and, and just going through the motions. I'm like, you can take this guy's job. Like you can, like this guy sucks. And I just wanted him to become my boss. So I could probably screw off a little bit more, but he ended up like going to the GM or whatever. And being like, I lied on my resume and they kicked him out and gave him like the job and he turned around the kitchen. And so I got to be there gutting all of these frozen stocks and, him changing the menu and hearing all the guests. And this is a country club. You got bougie guests coming in like late night. Is the burger still open? Is this blah, blah, blah. It's like, get, 
Andrew would be like, get the hell out of the kitchen. So learning that was, it was so awesome. Um, but getting us up to, you know, I didn't answer your question. That was just like, you know, I think that that would be a part of a movie. If you were doing it about him is is taking this guy's job when he was like 25 years younger than him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got on in college, he turned my life around. I mean, Andrew, I owe so much to him. He basically taught me how to stay in a room and actually learn something, um, and do a good job. Like to get into business school, I had to like, I really had to get straight A's and he got me to get straight A's and I graduated with a good GPA. And in five years I did less than what Andrew did. You know, Andrew got his <laughs> culinary degree and his, his accounting degree. I got like a a marketing degree with a minor in sales. So anyway, I, I get this job at a company that sells, uh, you know, IT stuff, printers, copiers, things like that. And I thought it was more like brand recognition. They kind of got bait and switched into joining this company. I, I got hired out in the loop. I got asked to move up to Milwaukee when Cam convinced us. And um, over the next three years, I actually became uh, the top sales rep out of quite a bit of sales reps across the country. And it was like really the first time I was successful in anything. Um, and Cameron was a really big reinforcement of that. Like he was like, damn, are you shitting me? Like you're making this much, like you're doing this good a job. Like, you know, it was a good compliment from him, but he kind of was like very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could say, I don't know if you want to say anything on that, but that's kind of like what, you know, got a lot Cameron and I thinking like we could maybe work and build up the capital. Um, to, you know, at least uh, start talking about opening up a restaurant. I mean, we were living pretty modestly at the time. <laughs> yeah, I remember our first yeah. apartment was like $900 for a three-bedroom over by huh. UWM. And oh, there you go. See, that's a good deal for, we th- were, for three we guys were, to all yeah, have jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, nice. And so we were just like saving money. And as soon as we started, you know, professionally developing and and learning the jobs that we had and doing better at them and realizing some of our skill sets and what we were good at, you know, the money started coming in and simultaneously Andrew was getting kind of antsy working for other people and kind of being within the confines of what somebody else's restaurant, they wanted it to be, not what he wanted it to be. Um, And so we just kind of naturally began talking about it, um, looking at spaces, seeing what was available you know, I had worked in banking now for four years. So I had some contacts just in Milwaukee in general of, you know, brokers, real estate brokers. You know, I had an idea of how to go after um, any sort of debt if we needed to to get the restaurants open uh, from a borrowing perspective. So I had some good ideas of, of what, would, what it would take and what we would need to make that happen. So, um, yeah, we just kind of all started putting our heads together. Like, what if, what if we did this? And sure enough, uh, we found the Merriman social space and we're crazy enough to jump into a lease. Um, and I, I think what was it, Andrew, when it was all said and done, it was like a 60 day start to finish. I think we signed a lease June 1st and we were open August 1st. That- It was was 90 days from start to finish, but the contractor didn't start until June 1st, and we were open by August 7th. 
17. That, that was literally, yeah, that was one of the fastest restaurant openings, I think. That I mean, I remember, like, we had, we were so undercapitalized, too. I mean, we, the stuff went over as it usually does. Um, you know, we, I literally remember our, our rent started August 1st. We had, like, a three-month grace period, and I remember having our soft opening money be, like, the only money we had to pay rent, and... Obviously, yeah. there's more bills that are coming in <laughs> for inventory of, right. you know, alcohol and all the food that we just sold that's getting, you know, we got to replenish. It was like, oh, my God, like, this is real. No, this, is, this is real. We got to make this yeah. work. And um, <laughs> All the business sense in the world doesn't really prepare you for, no. yeah. Especially that fast. The real world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, Andrew, and Andrew did <clears throat> a good job of like. And let's go back, because what year was this? This was 2015. 20- 15? Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. This is August. So, August of 2015. It was the, 2015. The, mm-hmm. the month we opened. Oh. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> I had to, like, I had to, I had to place this because, like, time has For really, those who can't see, Lori is mentally processing. Has. She's closed her eyes. <laughs> well, She's turned well, into I, a beautiful I was, mind. <laughs> I, I was working so hard at this point that I, like, was getting calls from Cameron that's like, yo, I need five grand. I need 10 grand. I mean, I'm like, what is going on over there? Like, what is happening? And it's like, dude, we're starting a business. But, you know, and Andrew, and he was throwing in money. And it, it was just like, is this actually, why are we, you know, what are we doing? Because I was pretty removed from what was happening. But Andrew, like, believed in this. He was like, let's do this. So, I mean, Andrew, I don't even know, but I, I didn't, we didn't, never talked about it because I was working so much. But, you know, were you nervous about like putting all of your friends' money and all of this like thing on the line? Like, I mean, because you were pushing so hard, like it'll be good, it's fine. Like everything will work out. Yeah. I mean, no. Like I wasn't nervous. <laughs> I, I think that I think that even at you know, even at that age, like I don't think that all three, I mean, well, I guess we're a little bit different in that regard, but I think that like, I think the, maybe I was a little bit naive in terms of, you know, what, what we had done in terms of having business, business experience and stuff. But I think that at the end of the day, like, I think that we, you know, we knew what we were in, in the Milwaukee market at that time. And we, we, you know, we know what we're in right now, but I think that I've always kind of had the confidence that, you know, our, our kitchens and our front of houses can, you know, compete, um, one. And I think that it's, I think that a lot of the, I think the biggest advantage that I had was kind of coming from a multitude of different restaurant experiences before we did that. Um, and, you know, for anywhere from really high end fine dining to Michelin starred kitchens to, um, something super corporate, like let us entertain you. And I think that like the let us entertain you experience really gave me confidence in, okay, I know what this looks like at scale. I know what this looks like when there's hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, not just $50,000 or whatever it is for our, our investment. And so I kind of, I've always thought about it like that. And I think that, you know, I think that we kind of, at least I will always kind of look at our businesses like that. I mean, Cameron will keep us in check and yeah. on the pocketbook, but uh, no, I think that, you know, we want to, we want to play for the upside all the time. Oh. 
Well, I was nervous. <laughs> so somebody who's looking at the books every day and looking at our bank accounts, I was certainly yeah. nervous. I remember yeah. one time having to transfer like half of what we had for payroll out of my personal bank account. And I was like, what am I doing? What did we just do? Um, we got free cheeseburgers. But sure enough, yeah. I mean, and we were all working there for free too. So like on top of, you know, I had a full-time job, Sam had a full-time yes. job. Andrew was running this place for, I think his first, he got paid like $20,000 for his first like year, 26 grand or something. It was literally, I was like supporting yeah. us. We were living together. Yeah. I was supporting all of like the personal expenses. And <laughs> you're all like, you're like a little, a little yeah. trio of guys I mean, married. Was, like we're all married. Like, like, our where's, the, like, where's the toothpaste? Where do we have toothpaste? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, things funny. started turning up. I would say after like six yeah. months, four months, somewhere in that period, things started yeah. looking up and, well, um, well, and even but even that concept didn't quite gel. I don't yeah. think the way that you expected it to, or no. like people didn't quite catch on. I, I feel like it was. I feel like it was kind of a little complicated, but also maybe a little ahead of its time. I, do you remember going there? I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. remember the soft opening, and I what remember. Yeah. I remember being blown away. I remember thinking it was really cool and because, you know, it opened as this sort of dim sum-esque concept, you know, where you had the carts coming to your table and you could get things. And then there were certain other things maybe that, I don't know, but I remember walking away and A, being blown away by the burger, mostly by the Japanese milk bun, like, and not being able to get it out of my head. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but thinking it was just so cool and different and I don't know, like being grateful that crazy kids came <laughs> to Milwaukee, <laughs> you know, and brought something that was really like, I think, I think at that point I was somewhat new to my job. You know, I, I had been in Milwaukee for a long time. And I'd been eating food and appreciating food for a long time. But I was somewhat at the, I think I was in the beginning stages of being full-time at On Milwaukee. And I remember thinking, like, this is cool. And if this is the direction that the food scene is going, I'm really excited about it. Like, people need to be pushed to try new, cool, different things. Like, and this city needs new, cool, different things. But I was also a little bit concerned because I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, you know, people have been screaming for a dim sum restaurant. And I was always a little nervous about that because I'm like, I don't know if we'll have enough people like to support that sort of, even a true dim sum concept. Because um, at the time it was like, there was still maybe a little bit of, we just needed more people dining out more often. Don't make me pull out my red light ramen <laughs> story for the 150th time yeah. and about no. how Molly um, Snyder people... wrote that story about that place opening <laughs> and the comments were so angry that a ramen restaurant existed yeah. and they were well, so, it was yeah. just, yeah, Milwaukee just. The Milwaukee market was not, was not fully matured in the sense that we were know, they, learning. they didn't understand that ramen didn't come out of a packet, you know, and that there was. That there you was know. like a culture um, behind it. And and in some respects, you know, that there was more than steakhouses and meat and potatoes restaurants. And, you know, I mean, I think there's a small, like a burgeoning number of food 
interested yeah. people. Well, and this is going to so, be hard to believe that, but sometimes internet commenters aren't the most thoughtful. And the oh, most, uh, they, they sometimes are not the most uh, researched on their comments right. and opinions. Yeah, I, well, I, and that's only, got, that's only gotten worse. But anyway, but yeah, suffice it to say when you opened, it was, it was a really, um, it was interesting and very cool. Um, but I was a little nervous for you. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I think that everything that in, in business and everything that we look and research and talk to everybody that's in business you know, I don't think anyone has a business plan that they can say goes exactly according to what their plan is. Um, and I would say outside of, you know, Andrew being a really good chef and understanding the accounting behind it. I mean, his business strategy and business acumen and vision is like also something that is kind of a compass for the group. Um, <laughs> I would say compass because he's always the one that wants to do crazy shit all the time. Um <laughs> and you know, it pulls us in the in the direction sometimes, and then Cameron and I have to kind of be like, you know, do you think that this could work? Um, you stepped away for a second, Andrew, but I'm sure you were you were listening <laughs> to that. But yeah, Merriman started as something and ended up being something totally different. And yeah, for a first restaurant, it's still our baby. It's still kicking mm-hmm. and it's busy and it's 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 awesome. But that that will always be our baby. Well, and I think I think I had the respect for you guys as as I kind of saw that happening, you know, because you took a hold of the things that really did well about that concept and kind of seamlessly transitioned it almost annoyingly <laughs> because at some point it was like, okay, how do I describe what happened here? Right. You know, I, I, kind yeah. of seamlessly over time because you had a restaurant that opened kind of as one thing and then gradually like things just sort of morphed in a, I think probably a healthy way yeah. into something else. Um, but it didn't become a PR disaster where it's like, oh, we're changing concepts or we're doing, you know, it just sort of moved forward. And then, you know, it was mostly burgers. Yeah. Know? Honestly, as somebody was- who was adjacent to covering the food world, like, this is all like, it's not news to me, but this is all like, oh, yeah, I guess this was, I guess it was very different at the mm-hmm. very start. And it's, it's always yeah. interesting. Like, you guys did a really good job of, Making it seem like it was a plant, <laughs> and making it seem like this is this is all going accordingly. So, I mean, so I would say we just we embraced it. You know, we we kind of knew. We looked at the numbers. We looked at the product mix. We could see what we listened to feedback. You know, we're not we're not too proud of of owners to you know force a concept or force something that's not you know working as well as maybe we had intended. And we we basically just looked intrinsically at like what we what we're doing and does that make sense and you know the answer was not exactly so we just started doing things that did make sense and what people wanted and um you know over time it it kind of found its groove and is much you know much similar to what it is today um than what we started as but you know it was not always easy and looking back to and you know, and not, I wouldn't say admitting defeat because we didn't do that, but you know, admitting maybe defeat on conceptually what what we intended was not always as practical as we wanted it to be. But you know, that's okay. Not not every idea that that we have is is perfect, and and we made the most of it, and now here we are. And and as soon as we started getting like some like as soon as we're like started getting settled like a little bit, 
Andrew's like, let's open up another restaurant. I was going to ask, when was the moment when you were like, you felt comfortable enough to be like, we should do, we should have another baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, minute you, the minute you forget how hard it was. Wait, did you say, <laughs> yeah. you, did you say you were pissed? I was or? pissed. Yeah. I remember being like, really, you know, and like, we just, you know, there I hear, cause I was still working and I was coming in and, you know, helping from here and there, but you know, it was far off from being, perfect and on its way to like you know making us a bunch of money and 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 being a staple in the city like <laughs> however a- andrew made a case he convinced cam didn't he or did you want to do this too no i mean i was the one that kind of i had the connection to the space so it was kind of brought to me which then andrew and i were living together so something we naturally talked about. And I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about in terms of the Milwaukee restaurant scene burgeoning, like 2016, 2015, 2017, like there is really starting to see some, you're seeing some change. Yeah. So being aggressive, bullish individuals that we are, we were like, well, let's be a part of this again. Like, you know, we, this is an opportunity. Let's be the first to do something. And seafood was one of the things that wasn't very, there wasn't really many options you know, outside yeah. of say Harbor house. Um, mm-hmm. and we were like, is this an opportunity that we want to pursue? Is this something that would make sense in this space? Um, and we kept on coming to yes as an answer. So that's when, you know, and Sam was a part of those conversations too, but we were just basically identifying like, could we do this and what would it look like? Um, and, uh, yeah, sure enough, we we decided to do it. Which, looking back on it, is is pretty crazy. Like, I I don't think <laughs> um, doing the way we did it is if you if you had the the foresight to to say like you know would this make the most sense? Maybe not. But we again made it work. We adjusted, and it's turned out to be a great choice. But it it is kind of crazy to think back on that decision and us being like, let's do this. So yeah, so seafood was kind of the next the next route. How I mean, obviously and, Milwaukee's right next to a lake, so yeah. like but what was the kind of thought process like cuz seafood is hard to pull off mm. here and that that's why there weren't many seafood restaurants. Uh how did you guys feel that you had a method of going about that? I think that we had a It wasn't necessarily just seafood. Um, it was, it was presenting seafood in a modern way where we had, but we wanted to do it like with the intention of it being for the Milwaukee crowd, but mm-hmm. kind of doing that in, uh, you know, an elevated way on Milwaukee street, you know, downtown and really having that be our, our showcase uh, not only for the food that we were cooking. And I think that once we do go, um, once we do move, you know, once we, as we're going forward, like I think that that will continue to be, you know, a seafood will be there, but we'll also have this restaurant be kind of our timeless showcase, like place that we are always going to, try to create like the delicious like celebratory experience for people to come to um yeah. as opposed and and i think that seafood at that time naturally lent itself to that because yeah. it it's something where you know a lot of people do eat it 
multiple times mm-hmm. a week, and it's not um, not it's not super unapproachable, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do it in the right way, I mean, for God's sakes, we're in fish fry country, right? So <laughs> I think I think that if you do it the right way and 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 present it in even if on the menu it looks different than what it actually is on the plate, um, mm-hmm. I think that if if the guest understands what what you're what you're portraying to them, then I think people you know really got into that and you know still do so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Seafood yeah. does have that place where it's like it's approachable, but it also feels special at the same time. Where like it can have like a, yeah. a special, especially out here, like out in Boston, seafood's a little bit more like. Well, we're right next to the ocean, like right. every, pretty much everywhere you can find it. But you know, here in Milwaukee, there is something still special about getting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you definitely, you definitely took the concept of seafood, and. I mean, you describe it as kind of modern, a modern approach. And that's definitely, you know, what was needed. Because it's kind of like, we had seafood and we had the traditional like, oh, you can get your, you know, you can get your grilled poached. Yeah, your grilled poached fried fish. You know, you can get your, your shrimp cocktail, you know. But you weren't seeing anything where people thought about it, you know, and it was it was seen as like, oh, we can you you can get your lobster, you know, with your sides. But it was sort of almost the steakhouse model, mm-hmm. where you know, is it seafood, starch, vegetable, you know, and this was more about thinking like, well, in Andrew's case, sometimes sandwiches. <laughs> Uh, you know, the making of it onto, you know, yeah, like <laughs> no, the, but the inspiration for the dishes came from a lot of places, so it was way more creative takes on things. Um, but I also, my question about Third Coast, which I don't think I've ever asked, is it was it more driven about the needs of the market or about something that you really wanted to do? And I think this is a question for Andrew more than. Because you're the one that sold had to sell sell everybody else on this idea. Yeah, I think that it was it was it was something. I mean, it was both. Like, <laughs> I, I, it was both in terms of okay, well, you know, we can be we can be a uh, a player in in the scene in the in the you know the non-existent seafood scene, right? Or at least mm-hmm. do a spin on it and kind of make that our differentiation in the business okay. part. Um, but I think that we had a, like, I've always, like, I, I've, I've lived in, you know, I grew up in the South and I've lived in New Orleans and I think that seafood, you know, I really, I, I really, really have a strong connection to it, you know, from, from mm-hmm. being a kid. Um, and then even, you know, cooking in, in some of those cities. And I think that that's it's always fulfilling to, I mean, be cooking things or coming up with things that, you know, kind of bring, bring you back to the, the childhood memory, the Ratatouille food critic moment type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think that that's, um, that's, that's part of it. But I think that in general, like I kind of alluded to before, like we want, yeah, we had merriment and we, we had always intended that whether dim sum was going to work or not to be a, mm-hmm. a place where our neighbors are multiple times a week. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, what it's definitely turned into and it's been really, really successful. Um, 
by doing that. But I think on the opposite end of the spectrum, we wanted something that was more spectacle and timeless and um, <laughs> will always kind of be relevant design-wise um, from from that aspect um, and things and, and and that kind of lends itself um, to have us say or for us to have a canvas um, of which we can create. You know, we we started as this seafood experience, seafood driven experience and in in the realm of fine dining. And then now I think that, you know, while we're still there, we've started to kind of incorporate other things from the third coast. Um, and I think that we'll kind of continue to evolve that way. Yeah. yeah. What did, yeah. One of the things I think about third coast, well, a, and you did design, you designed this restaurant that was, I mean, it was just plain beautiful. Um, I remember, I remember thinking we hadn't really had a space that was quite like quite so. I th I think opulent was the word that I yeah, used. Yeah, I was supposed to um, say when it opened. Um, hadn't really had a place open that was quite so striking in terms of atmosphere for for a while, um, and so that was what was cool about it. But I also. I remember thinking, and I don't, I'm not a believer that like a place like in stuck in the middle of the leadlocked, you know, the Midwest isn't entitled to seafood. But I also thought to myself, like, this is interesting because it weaves this med Midwestern sensibility somehow into the seafood piece, um, which makes it more genuine. Like, because I often think, like, why do people want things? that aren't, that don't make any sense for where they are. You know, why do you want, <laughs> um, I don't know, why do you want something that you have to ship across the world, you know, in a place like Wisconsin, right? And then, um, in and, some and ways. That's, I think. That's, like, where, that's where he got me was when I walked into his place and it looked like he was solving a murder and <laughs> in, in his room and you could see all of the, all of this, all the vendors, all the possible vendors, all the phone numbers, all of the places from the East and West coast. And he explained to me, he's like, the Midwest is a, a, a lily pad. Uh, uh, it's, it's really is all coming across us because each coast it is. Go to either, either, either other sure. coast. Mm -hmm. And when he wanted, when he really wanted to convince us to open, he's like, we're going to go to New York. And that was one of our first food trips ever. And we went to places like, Russ and Daughters and John Dory and ate really good seafood. And that's what we are. We're, like I said, we're fans. And so, mm -hmm. you know, eat at San Diego, you know, I think you had me go to Ironside, I believe. And you're like, that's and So, you know, taking what we really want and making something our own. Um, yeah. We went over budget on that build out, but I think it was worth it. I, yeah. Most, most build outs go over budget, but that one, it, I would, I would be surprised. Shocked <laughs> if you hadn't. Um, so, yeah. So, and, so yeah. yeah. So then the transition to pizza happens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the transition to pizza. Yeah. No. So it's been five. So it was about five years in, and you know, uh, I mean, yeah, you took a little bit more time. With yes. that concept, well, you, and then the concept took a little bit more time to get off the ground because there were things like pandemics and exactly such that got in there. But. Well, we were—I would say—I usually say we're idiots, but uh, we were ambitious. 
to open two restaurants um, in that quick of a time. And so I think, you know, throughout the last five years, you see pockets of um, good leadership, good personnel, uh, really good menus, good execution. And then you also see maybe spread thin too much. And so, you know, we've turned down a ton of offers and a ton of jobs in that five years. Again, some of it killing Andrew, cause he just, you know, he's, he's like a, he's an artist. So he wants to, you know, he's also a businessman. He wants to, you know, he knows that something will survive. Well, and he's, well, he's got a head full of ideas. Right. I mean, and you can't, um, I feel like chefs want nothing more than to create new stuff. Right. You know, you got to create new shit. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's the point if you're not, if you're not creating something new and doing something different, like, you know, um, it is, then you I, might, you might as well work in a cafeteria, you know? And that was a very much a, us talking about pizza because we always go to, go to New York and we'd always eat whatever, but we'd always eat pizza in New York. And we grew up in Chicago and there, you know, everyone always thinks Chicago is just deep dish pizza. It's not, it really no. is everything. Um, no. And, you know, it's so good in Chicago that New York style slices sometimes are like, okay, you know, are these amazing? Are they not? You know, um, but again, New York's not just this New York style. So talking about it and then coming back to Milwaukee, it was, it was very much the same. You know, we are fans of Milwaukee. We are fans of food. Um, and so when the two don't align, if there's not something that we're, I think that Andrew's used this before is extremely craveable. Um, it's mm. pizza. You know, they say pizza is mm. kind of like sex when it's good. It's really good. Um, mm. When it's bad, it's still pretty it's good. It's still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. so like, you know, we've all eaten the, you know, any pizza can still, it's still pretty good, right? The lunchroom um, pizza. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's how frozen pizza really, like your average ordinary, like janky ass tombstone pizza even exists because. Because right. it's you know, pizza. Andrew's sauce crust first, cheese yeah the first thing that andrew ever cooked for me was like a costco bag of totino's pizza rolls it was like a hundred and something pizza rolls sounds and like he, a dream yeah it was pretty good <laughs> um, and then he cooked me something really that really more more chefy but uh more chefy than just, totino's pizza rolls yeah, that's I, ridiculous i, I agree i agree <laughs> they used to be better they're not as good anymore but oh uh, what did they mess with the totino's yeah. oh, totino's pizza those pizza rolls have not been good for like 10 years you yeah. know what i'm saying it's, it's kind sad. of the klondike bar lori they kind mm-hmm. of just they screw they mass produce <laughs> cut costs not as good anymore but we wanted yeah. to bring pizza and then we actually had like time to talk about it. Again, another moment where Andrew's notebook and I can see his eyes fluttering and his eyeball is his eye, you know, eyelids fluttering when he's talking about it. Cause he's, he's going into, you know, Andrew mode and he's, and he's, <laughs> and he's solving a murder again. And again, it looked like, you know, he's got every cookbook open stuff open and, and, you know, he really does, engulf himself into what we're doing and testing pizza and he would hey come over here and test this hey try this hey take this home hey try this um and he was starting to get really close to the pizza and we we're like dude this is this is really good so we decided to open and then we told you Lori, and <laughs> you, <then did. laughs> you told everybody about it and yeah. then the pandemic hit yes so, Andrew, I don't know if you want to comment on pizza and why you want to open it, but... 
Well, we did. I was going to say we did actually talk pretty in in big depth. I think about yeah. like where the flower child concept came from. I yeah, think cause not I, not after not long after you guys. Um, we did our it. We previously, yeah, yeah, we had Andrew on back in February of mm. 2020. So wow. yeah. literally yeah. right before, and we can literally, we can literally link the world to that. We can link to that episode here. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, because you don't necessarily have to cover that again. Um, but yeah, I mean, because ultimately you guys came up with a style of pizza that didn't really exist in the world, you know, that was based on the best of things yeah. that you saw <laughs> that you liked that you figured other people would like um and then this idea of playing you know being able to play with toppings because pizza is not unlike unlike a pizza. hot dog sandwich. unlike a <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly Bingo. exactly so. Um, well and yeah. so and so the the pandemic happens and now, I just want to clarify this. You know, was it always leaning towards kind of was frozen pizza always going to be kind of a factor no. into this, or was that like pandemic forced? That was that was scramble mode. Like, so again, it was such a you know. I think every, I think all three of us stepped up in a big way when the pandemic hit. I think everyone had to, and it was like mm-hmm. truly fight or flight you know, moment. And we really came together. Don't get me wrong. There were some arguments, but uh, (laughs) it was definitely that. And Andrew was a true leader during that time of like, hold on, hold on. You know, Andrew doesn't work good when people are yelling in his face or going crazy speaking for 5,000 words a minute, like myself. Um, (laughs) But he, you know, we're like, let's do it. Pop up, you know, doing high end seafood to go is difficult. Merriman was doing okay. Um, People were supportive you know, buying crawlers and, you know, making still nothing, but it was good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and selling high-end seafood was tough. So it was like, let's give somebody an introductory, you know, look at this pizza. And it was more so the Detroit style and, you know, other things we were doing with that. It was selling out every single Saturday we did it. And again, it was like Third Coast Provisions presents Flower Child Pizza Pop-Up every <laughs> Saturday. So probably the most difficult, like you know, PR to follow and like advertising <laughs> to follow. And yeah. it's like, you know, and we realized that people, you know, we limited it to two pizzas per person selling like to go packs, you know, pre uh, par cooked pizzas. And our friends started putting in fake names to get more pizza, like stupid <laughs> buck and like, you know, yeah. uh, all yeah. the funny names and you know and we're like <laughs> ip freely yeah. yes yeah yeah um i was like trying to say one of them like i should that i shouldn't even say that um <laughs> and and they and so people really liked them and there was such a buzz around them that you know i remember we were drinking beer at merriment because our lines were going to go bad and we were about to flush them and clean them because we couldn't go through them uh, enough and andrew was like you know, it was pretty late and we only had seven of us and we were trying to stay safe and not, you know, you know, share germs with other people and quarantine together. So we were lucky enough where we got to drink at a bar together where nobody else really got to do that. Um, (laughs) And we were drinking through our beer and Andrew, I remember him standing right to the left of me at bar one at Merriman social. And he was said, he said, we could do frozen pizza. 
And I was like, what the shit? That's like genius. <laughs> well, and it is. It, 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 it kind of did turn out geniusly. Yeah. And I, I know you guys also, you guys, you sent off a version of it to Portnoy at and Bar- I was pissed about yeah. that too. I was oh, was that off? That was too. that not a not well, a plan? It's the same thing as I mean. Again, Andrew and Cam were like, "Let's send this to Dave Portnoy," and I was like, "You know, there's all this social justice stuff going on. There's all this pandemic stuff going on. We got yeah. our staff that yeah, because we were in the midst of the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement, like and like the yeah." Yeah. And it's like, send a frozen pizza. Like, we don't even have a damn business. We don't even like, you know, and, <laughs> and then they're like, yeah. just send it. And, you know, when, when that's why it's good to have three, because when two outrule, you know, one, you kind of are like, all right, you know, there's got to be something there. And, yeah. uh, but that was, Cam, I mean, that was Cam and Andrew all the way. Yeah. Which for those who, who don't know and are listening to this, uh, Dave Portnoy, owner of Barstool Sports, like pivoted to pizza, frozen pizza reviews. In he the reviewed pandemic. all, he reviewed like different kinds of pizzas yeah. and different kinds of, just a, a bunch of different kinds of things. Yeah. yeah kinda, and, um, oh, what were you going to say? Welcome back, say, Cameron. Yeah. yeah my, Cameron's my back. Power went off. Um, uh, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> Well, you you froze. You were very attractively posed. Mm, you know, better. not 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 really. Actually. It's a shame you it's look- an audio medium. <laughs> but yeah, but, but welcome back. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, yeah. No, he was at home just like everybody else, and he started reviewing yeah. frozen pizzas. And then there yeah. was restaurants that were sending their pizza to him frozen, yeah. and mm-hmm. we were like, "Well, why don't we do that? What's what do we have yeah. to lose?" Yeah. Even and I it, was questioning it at one well, point because right? it was like. Yeah, it did well. He gave it a seven, seven point seven, which is at the time like a top six yeah. score for all of the frozens that he did, which was like yeah. over twenty five or thirty at the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but I remember it was like two hundred and twenty five bucks to ship this pizza to him overnight. <laughs> and yeah, at that insane. time, like we didn't have any money. I mean, we were literally scraping like, by, like everybody else. You're yeah. just trying to trying and, to make it for the next and week. The money guy, I'm like, is this even smart? Like, is this just as stupid to throw this away? This is either the smartest thing ever or the yeah. dumbest thing ever. Yeah. And it paid dividends, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was really terrible still, even though. But, uh, well, and then it, but then it built demand. It <laughs> right. built demand that you couldn't meet and you had to work. Like, that was, that was like, oh, months we had to having to work the, that out. We had to shut down both restaurants, use all of our staff to like ship pizza around the country because we left the web portal open to order it to be shipped everywhere. Yeah. So we went through 10,000 pounds of dry ice shipping this across the country, like, you know, not knowing the regulations or like the, the, you know, the, the amount of dry ice you needed, you know, one of the days that we sent it out, it was, you know, really, really hot out. There was a lot of delays in shipping during that time. And it was, oh yeah, and then it was and almost every pizza didn't even get there. People are sending us pictures of this pizza that was like hot and looked like, you know, throw up in the boxes like, awesome, this is great. Like, let's reship all this. But we got a bunch of calls from uh, a lot of different companies, Outpost and, um, and, and, and Sendix and, you know, a bunch of other grocery stores, Sentries. And, um, and there was just all this hype about it because we just gave it to the biggest influence over pizza that I think existed at the time and probably still does so it was it was a lot of luck yeah yeah 
Well, and, and ultimately, so yeah, ultimately, like you lost a bunch of money and a bunch of pizzas. And then you turned back around, you know, and ended up with, you know, developing a better way of doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and then contracting with Sendex, who now carries yeah. the pizza. Um, and that's going well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As a side, I mean, ultimately, in the end, you built a secondary revenue stream for a brand um, before it even was a brand, (laughs) (laughs) like a restaurant brand. Yeah, Um, it did. And and, and it also caught on fire quickly of like this idea that a pizza can be pretty expensive, but at 12, 11, you know, even 1399 people can pick up a pizza, throw it in their freezer and you know, that $14 is worth it, you know, when you, when you realize you forget that it's in there and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. I can have that. And it's, it's heartier for you. It's naturally fermented. It's, it's better ingredients. It's really uh, such a big uh, reaction to it. I mean, and we have such a big following and we haven't done a lot of marketing for it. We haven't done a lot of, you know, pushing for it. Um, and, you know, I think that it is a place where, you know, we could, we can get into a lot more stores and we're trying to figure all that out um, and see what's best for us. But, you know, that's definitely something we want to pursue. Yeah. Because yeah, ultimately right now you have a pizza restaurant with a pizza factory down below <laughs> in the basement. Yep. And um, at some point, you know, that, that little pizza factory is going to be, you know, small, <laughs> too small. It for was whatever, too small whatever we yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah, restaurant people, restaurant people are, you know, they're clever. They work on a shoestring. Figuring oh, things out. we, we, uh, Andrew. Yeah. You know, Andrew has has been graceful with us because he has to figure out all that dough mm-hmm. operations, keeping the product integrity, and and all that. Um, but yeah, it's quite different than the restaurant game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you do it all? Would you do it all over again? Like the restaurants in general, or just the frozen pizza? <laughs> um, I think. I think. I, yeah, I think I'm speaking most. <laughs> the last decade pizza. of your life. I'm, would you I'm do guessing, <laughs> I am guessing that the restaurant answer is yes. Um, I maybe. Yeah, no, I think the restaurant yeah. answer is yes. Um, Some days it's an, it would feel like a no, yeah. but. Uh, I think all things yeah. considered, yeah, we're fortunate to I be think, where I we're think at. most things some days are a no. But, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. the pizza, you know, the pizza thing, like if you had known, like if you could see what happened and what it is now, would you? Yeah. Would you do it again? Yes, uh, yeah. 100%. I mean, I, yeah. I think if the pandemic's taught us anything too, it's diversification. So like, <laughs> what can we do to help not have all of our eggs in one basket? Um <laughs> It is certainly a smart, smart way to look at things. And it's exciting because it's a new challenge. It's something that we haven't done before. It's not an industry that we've been playing in for a long time. So I think that excites us and it gives us a, a different perspective, but also a new challenge to go tackle. And, you know, just like 
the restaurants when people try the frozen pizza and they love it and you see the expression on their face it's that same driving force that we have and that really kind of pushes at the pushes us at the restaurants too to to really give people an awesome product and and you know push the boundaries of of what is the standard for for pizza restaurants whatever um i think that's what's most exciting for us and um uh, that but that's what kind of keeps us going and and pushing forward with with that arm of our business too well, it's also yeah. like you can, you, you go to the grocery store and like you, when Andrew said we could do frozen pizza, it was like, what the shit? I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you know, then you start going to the grocery store and like my wife is like, you know, I, I can't, I'm not allowed to come with her sometimes, you know, because, you know, I'm infatuated with the aisles. I'm infatuated with the branding, the packaging, you know, the ingredients, and I was like, how is this working? And it's like, how is this working? I mean, even when the, we started putting the frozen pizza in the stores, I started, I would take a dry erase marker and mark certain brands of pizza and be like, how the hell is this selling? And then I'd come back a week later and see how many, <laughs> were, you know, were left and, you know, kind of do some gorilla uh, tracking. Um, but can we, I think that grocery stores are turning into more of an experience also. Um, and one I million think, percent yes and i think that going to the grocery store i think that people will pay 20 30 percent a lot of people don't want to go to sundex so it's like what like why the hell are graham crackers six bucks and they're like two bucks somewhere else and it's like well then you can go there but you're just you're gonna end up buying them anyway if you need them um mm-hmm. but it's can you go have fun there can you feel happy about spending a little bit more money for better things because you're not going out to eat you know, you're still going to the grocery store, you're still saving some money in some way. And can you have an experience um, of going to get it, going to get something like a flower child pizza? Um, and after we were in the stores, there was so much traction with the pizza that they were seeing new credit cards show up. They're seeing new, you know, people coming into the grocery store that never really went to a Sundex. And obviously they would walk out with more than just our pizza. So, um, you know, Sundex has been an awesome um partner and they've really helped us through the pandemic and they helped alleviate some of our um our the 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 uh the knowledge and and the and the the grocery curve (laughs) of what we didn't know um packaging weights and nutrition and all this stuff but can we bring that experience into the grocery stores um so people can go home and just and have it and it can be a piece of us that's kind of you know, on the shelf, ready to just be grabbed. I think that there's something that we all think is super cool about putting everything we have into a package and a product and then just putting it on a shelf, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose like at this point, you know, moving forward and growth, it becomes the question of how much can you, how much can you decide that you can let go of something, you know, because ultimately you can't do it all forever <clears throat> you know and there's something about having uh, having control <laughs> over over what's going into that package you know right now it is and um, i'll let andrew kind of talk a little bit about you know this we just were you know talking about you know how all three of us have become a little bit you know closer over how the business has gone because now it's like pre-pandemic we had two restaurants that we were starting to like really jive and we're busy and we're bumping and we're getting you know all the brewers and the bucks and people and we're kind of just like on the scene and then the pandemic hits 
and we're like, shit, this is terrible. Um, and then we leave the rest, we leave the pandemic with three restaurants and another side brand that takes a ton of, you know, our time. Now we have a big company. So it's like, you're right. You know, when you focus on something, something else falls. Um, and you know, Andrew has, you know, you can talk on it. I mean, he, he's kind of, he kind of brought this epiphany level, you know, thinking, uh, to the table to, to make it manageable. Um, but to make it manageable, you have to grow the infrastructure. Yeah. So, so, so I think like, I think with what, with what Sam is kind of alluding to is like, we're, we're at the point of being a restaurant, you know, call it group right now. And, you know, we are, but I think it's, it's very different looking at, let's say a group of a group of name a random business where, you know, you would have three of them. Okay. Three like pack and ship stores. Right. And like, if you have three pack and ship stores, like they're all very systematic, right? Like, so you would have your mailboxes and then you'd have, you know, your boxes and you would ship things for people. And I don't know, you probably have, some sort of like self-storage, whatever, but okay. very, they're all duplicates, right? Or at least the systems with inside them are. So when you have independent restaurants, like, yes, in theory, you can have the same system for every restaurant and to an extent that works. But what we're really trying to do is get that, get that flowing throughout all of our restaurants so that we can create, you know, the, we can create places that are, not only profitable, but are places that we can start to have other people take ownership over the artistry of it um, and and give them platforms in, in terms of the chefs and people in the dining rooms to really flourish so that we can go kind of on this new um, I, I think that there's a there's a big a big shift in the way that restaurateurs or an opportunity um, that restaurateurs have now post pandemic and kind of being like, uh, like the retail thing is, is the perfect example, right? Like, I think that not only do, okay, yeah, we have a, we have an opportunity to put a frozen pizza in the frozen pizza aisle. But I think the bigger picture there is there's a, there's an opportunity now for grocers and what grocers want now are brands, not that are just fulfilling a, a need, right? So like they don't, they don't, they don't want to be perceived as, oh, I need this thing. I'm going to go to the grocery store to get this thing because I need it. That's what Amazon is pretty much for now, right? Mm-hmm. They want to start seeing brands in the freezer aisle on the actual dry goods aisles in their bakery that resonate with something else in that person's life that they are interested in, but also so that when a customer goes into their store, they are discovering something new every single time. And that hasn't happened in grocery in forever. So I think that we're, we're really excited to go down that path um, and start, you know, doing stuff. But I think at at our core, because it's interesting because it's intersecting hospitality in this bizarre way that I don't think grocery stores ever have correct right and i think and i think that we're we're trying to again like at our core like we want 
we were talking a little bit this morning on our on our morning call about you know what what we've always been about is you know one yes it's about business it's about restaurants and and it's it's really about food and just sharing deliciousness with our customers right and so mm-hmm. when we can when we can do that in the restaurants and we can empower our employees to do that in the restaurants while we can start to go and do that at on an even bigger scale hopefully nationally one day um i think that that's kind of where we're like hyper focused on um yeah i mean i guess it's it's kind of preserving that within our restaurants right now mm-hmm. and 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 focusing on that and doubling down on that but i think mm-hmm. that the 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 big picture for us is you know starting to get the foundation in place for the restaurants so that we can really use that as a springboard to go launch a bunch of whatever we want to launch so yeah 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 because you need it you need a culture of of creativity you need people that sync with you and then understand your brands to to be able to let go of that brand enough to be able to keep doing you know eventually you reach capacity it's like and maybe it's three restaurants maybe it's four i don't know you know but eventually you reach capacity where you cannot have your fingers on everything you know no so, the, the idea so you need is- people who you trust who you know can be creative with things in a way that makes sense I mean, I, this is what I'm hearing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Cameron was the last to leave his job full time. And it was a huge addition. I mean, to having us all three totally focused on this and like, you know, he's, you know, uh, operationally so good and business wise, he was just working for a bank, working with companies that were up to $10 million, you know, looking at their cash flow, looking at their balance sheets, learning if they were a good company. So he has so much acumen on the back end of how this operation can be. But, you know, you know, Andrew and Cameron now being able to, you know, they're kind of working together in this operations way where it's like, how do we do this where we can automate some things, but have the checks and balances. Like an analogy is, you know, I used to cut my grass. My dad would be so all over me about, you know, not cutting in certain areas and not, you know, uh, (laughs) running certain things over and edging a certain way. And, you know, then he, he, he wouldn't have to do it anymore, but he would correct it a little bit. Um, and then I became so good at it that I hated when he cut the grass because he would start <laughs> screwing up, you know, my edging and the way that I like to do it and the lines the right way. And that is what we are trying to do. And I think that there's a lot of people after the pandemic personnel has changed. It's a tough labor market. You know, I think there's a lot more respect for your own self within a kitchen or in the front of the house. Uh, people are getting paid more, which they should be. Um, but this is something where if you want it, you can run a restaurant. You can possibly have equity with us um, and build the brand and he passed that baton. And um, I think that, you know, Cameron's kind of in charge of uh, the personnel right now. And, you know, as much as he wants to keep a tight pocketbook, um, people are really uh, identifying with him pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah. a, that's a long way. <laughs> that's yeah. a long way to go. Like between, well, eight years, I guess. What a decade it's been. 2015? Yeah. 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 Probably slightly more than that because you were working on this before 2015, but, you know, or at least in the beginnings of yeah. that. But yeah, pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, 
I have a very important final question for you. And it is the it is a very valuable final question. Uh, where can people find all your restaurants, and where can people find them online? That is the most <laughs> valuable thing we ask this entire podcast. <laughs> Go ahead, Cameron. Uh, like I mean, from a standpoint of uh, like physically, or are we talking yeah. like yeah, we'll start, we'll start I guess physically, physically yeah. on the internet, like yeah, and then people... philosophically, yeah. where can people find you on the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so visits, I mean, Merriman Social down in the fifth fifth ward, Walker's Point area, uh, two forty East Pittsburgh. That's again, that's our our first restaurant, kind of the flagship. Um, and there was there was nothing there when you arrived, so you know, yeah, thank I mean, you that, for that helping that out too. That neighborhood certainly yeah. uh, is popping up quite a bit. Um, you know, Third Coast Provisions is uh, downtown on on Milwaukee Street. Uh, 724 North Milwaukee. Uh, so in between Mason and Wisconsin Ave, right smack dab downtown. Um, and then Flower Child is literally right next door to it. 722 North Milwaukee Street. Um, got smart. Made it yep. convenient. It's kind of <laughs> nice. Uh, sometimes it's, it's almost too convenient. Um, <laughs> but Andrew's also spent a ton of time on, on our new websites, which I think we're all very, very pleased with. Um, so I'm sure he can give you a little bit of detail on those, but uh, I know it's www.flowerchild.pizza. Check that out. Check out the oh, Instagram you can do a page. dot pizza these yeah, days. Yeah, you can, you do, can. A dot pizza. Oh, you can do a dot almost anything right now. Man, the internet's cool. so cool now. Yeah, because <laughs> well, because we ran out of dot com, so pretty much <laughs> right. Yeah, but dot, dot pizza, edu. dot pizza is a cool one. You could have done yeah. uh, uh, dot edu because it's like yeah. an educate. It's like yeah. an education yeah. for your taste buds. Every time you uh-huh. come in, there you go. Uh, um, awesome! Yeah. Awesome! I'm gonna, well, change, I'm gonna change mine to Lori Frederick Pizza. Yeah. No. Why not? Uh, <laughs> uh, I just wanted anyway. to let you guys know. Uh, you may have forgotten this approximately uh, 90 minutes ago, uh, but Utah food is tater tots. <laughs> They're big with potato tots. Apparently, they invented fry sauce. And they mm. have a dish called funeral potatoes. Oh, so they are big with potatoes. Very big it's with potatoes. They're not far, it's not because they're not far from Idaho. Yeah, even apparently yeah, yeah. it's a big side dish. There's a <laughs> there's a popular cornflake crusted casserole that is popular <laughs> at post funeral events. So that's kind Utah. Of. That's Utah culture for you. The fry sauce is kind of fitting because that was one of like the most popular things about that Merriman burger when we first started uh, was the fry sauce with that burger. So fry kind, sauce of a, is... kind of a fitting thing to, to yeah. end with. Full circle. Yeah. People Wait, still to... ask about it today. So. Yeah, we're bringing yeah. it back. Way to thematically yeah. tie in my utter ramblings. Thank you. Yeah. 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 You should you should help uh, yeah. produce the show and keep me on focus. Uh, thank you guys so much for, for joining us for this uh, yeah. monumental episode, both in time and yeah. in population oh, well, and, and in terms and of... Thank you. Yeah. Thank you in the end with seeing the potential in Milwaukee and coming here and doing your thing here. You know, and I realize that some of that becomes financial and it's just, it makes sense to go into a market that where the rent is lower at the time and, you know, the market is a little bit more open. But, um, it's you know, it's been appreciated because you guys have definitely been a part. You know, you've become a part of what made the scene grow and develop. We love you it. Know? We love Milwaukee. We fell in love with it and the first time we visited, so... Yeah. My yeah, stomach no. thanks you, so, and my heart so thank thanks you. For that. you. And yeah. thank you for all of your hard work. We're and, fortunate to be you know, part of a great community, so, so. We're, we're happy to happy to have made an impact, and we want to continue to do yeah. so. 
Yeah, and we yeah. get to talk to you weirdos, so it's nice. <laughs> yeah. and, and thank you, Andrew, for not giving up on cooking because oh, yeah. you're you're very good at it. Um, thank you, and and you can play many roles. You know, from Italian grandmother to <laughs> to sandwich <laughs> you know, expert to deli sandwich expert. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You got you got all the. You got all the you. You just have the motivation to research everything and then do it really, really well. And and that's, I mean, that's not the case with everybody. So he's a he's a for, food food encyclopedia, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it's still cool. Like, I mean, you know, likable. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, sometimes you know you get so into what you do that like you're you're not. You know, you guys are still you know personable and cool. Thank you for calling us. Fun. You're very. <laughs> She's never called me cool. So yeah, congratulations, yeah, well, guys. You're in fairness. I, 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 I don't am know. If that's not true. Well, start anyway. three restaurants and yeah. have a bunch of tastings with her. I'm working so. on it, <laughs> but uh, for some odd reason, my spaghetti-themed restaurant is just not Ooh, taking off. Spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, the, the meatballs. Oh boy, that's another podcast. We're gonna have to debate uh, that. We're gonna have yeah, to debate the meatball situation. But we've Thank already you. hit the ninety-minute mark. So in the name yeah. of God, let's call it a podcast. This is the hundred fiftieth, but maybe the longest <laughs> podcast we've ever done as well. But yeah, seriously, thank you guys. Thank you for coming, joining us, and, oh, thank you, and doing what you do. Yeah, thank Bye. you very much. Thank you. What an awesome conversation! What a what an awesome one hundred and fiftieth conversation we have had. One hundred and fifty, this... yeah, that's a lot. How... Yeah, we've spent a lot of time together, Lori. I can't believe you yeah. endured me for one hundred and fifty episodes. That's at least well, that's more than one hundred and fifty hours because we have all the. All the I was going to say how recording. many how many so... days worth of recordings is that? That's... that's a week's worth. That's over a week. Of podcast, over like oh, like as far as like hours. Because if each of our podcasts is like an hour, Mm twenty four hours in a day, we've done one hundred and fifty. Yeah. If it's not a week, it's we've pretty much done a week of of podcasts. I think. No. Look at us. So so one in order to catch up. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you got a little bit. You got a little. Do you bit have any favorites? There. Do any? We didn't really yeah. rehearse this or anything like that. But no. uh, do, do you have any favorite podcasts that leap immediately to mind? Hmm. I, you know, there have been a number of them that I've really, really enjoyed. Some of them were early on. Like I really, I thought that the one that we did with Chris from Night Owl, Night Owl, was great. That was really um, that was a good one because we just delved into some things that I for sure didn't know you know, about Night Owl. Um, and, oh, I don't know. We've had a lot of fun. I loved I loved the oyster eating one that we did way, 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 way back with you mm-hmm. eating oysters. Yeah, for the first that was time. when we were experimenting um, with doing more, when we were able to do more live kind of episodes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was going to say, and, and that's, yeah, things changed. Um, Gabe moved to Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> no, he moved to Utah. Oh wait, That's, Utah. What? Yeah. The, what the heck? Idaho. There's potatoes in Idaho. I don't know something. I was gonna say. Yeah, he moved to Utah. Pardon what is me. U- Utah? What is Utah but the potato of, of America? <laughs> it's white. Um, you it's... Know. Yeah. And then we had a pandemic in there. There were all sorts of reasons, but um, yeah. but yeah, but that was fun. I don't know. I I virtually I feel like. Almost every podcast we've done, I've come out of it feeling like, oh, that was a really cool conversation. 
Yeah, so. there's never been a podcast really that I've ever been like, yeah. oh God, what are we gonna, how did we get 45 minutes out of that? Uh, I will say some of my favorites include our Dairyland, one of our earliest Dairyland episodes where we talked about uh, the founder and we fell down the, the rabbit hole of talking about food movies. And oh, yeah. uh, Ray Kroc, yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun. I also, fun. I also like the Mike Fatucci episode because I remember that one because it got bored. It bordered on heated, which is not uh, <laughs> a, a thing. Not I, a usual, which I yeah. would say we like. We didn't get. It wasn't like angry or like fight, but like no. But me, it was definitely a generational. Wasn't that the conversation we, co- we had where we were discussing what? what each generation wants. Yeah, what of. youths want these days yeah. and it was and what they're willing to do and what they're not yes. willing to pay for and things yeah. like that. And I I thought that was a very interesting conversation and a, 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 a genuine uh debate. Uh which yeah. I, I wouldn't say this is a very debatey podcast. So no. No. Uh, but but I also but I will also say that I, I am fairly, fairly certain that my favorite podcast is still out there. <laughs> oh yeah, we like, have so many more incredible run upon it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. but it's it's gonna be great. So, and you know what else is gonna be great? Our next food porn. Hey, flam, flam, flam. Yep. Uh, and fitting for uh, as monolithic of an episode as this is, uh, we are doing reading the invention of cuisine by Carol Musk Dukes. Musky Dukes. Or musky Dukes. Yeah. yeah. Carol. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm pretty Carol, sure it's Carol. Carol. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's pretty, Carol. I'm confident it's Carol. Yeah. yeah. Carol Musk. Uh, I'm going to say Musk. Uh, Carol Musk Dukes. Uh, so, yeah, this is the invention of cuisine, and I will be reading this week in lieu of Imagine for a moment the still life of our meals. Meat followed by yellow cheese, grapes pale against the blue armor of fish. Imagine a thin woman before bread was invented, playing a harp of wheat in the field. There is a stone, and behind her the bones of the last killed, the blackbird on her shoulder that a century later will fly with trained and murderous intent. They are not very hungry, because cuisine has not yet been invented, nor has falconry, nor the science of imagination. All they have is the pure impulse to eat, which is not enough to keep them alive, and this little moment before the woman redeems the sprouted seeds at her feet and gathers the olives falling from the trees for her recipes. Imagine... Out in the fields, this very moment, they are rolling the apples to press. The lamb turns in a regular aura of smoke. See, the woman looks once behind her before picking up the stone, looks back once at the beasts, the trees, that sky above the white stream, where small creatures live and die, looking upon each other as food. That's quite quite the thoughts, Carol. It is quite a lot the of thoughts. I was keeping up with it for a while, and then yeah. and then it kind of went in some places I wasn't expecting. But uh, good poem, I would say. Yeah, I loved the line, and part of why I put it on here, I don't know. I loved the line. They're not very hungry 
because cuisine has not yet been invented. And that's a really, like to me, really interesting piece. Like before people ate food because it was an experience, right? When people ate food because you had to eat food to stay alive. You know, it wasn't cuisine because, you know, and cuisine, the word just, you know, is something like it's something enjoyable, something fancier. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because it's not just eating. It's not just food. There's a difference, I think, between what you imagine when you hear food and what you hear cuisine. Food is sustenance. Cuisine is an experience on on another level. I mean, and and food can be cuisine and likewise, but, but I think it's interesting to think about that. Like, yeah. That you're, and, and that you're not very hungry. Like you're just hungry enough. You just need enough to make it through the day. Right. Yeah. As as opposed to now, like, it's like when you say like, I'm hungry for chocolate cake. Like that's very much not something you need to do or need yeah. to eat. Yeah. Like I'm gonna start eating some poppables. Like okay. I don't need to eat poppables. Like okay. there's no real but I want to eat poppables. They're very tasty. Yeah. I can't I'm gonna make jambalaya tonight, like lazy man's jambalaya, not like yeah. legitimate jambalaya. Um and it's gonna be great. I'm so excited. I'm gonna make food tonight, Lori. Look, what a what a culinary adventure this podcast has been for 150 <laughs> episodes. We began, and my role was the idiot, and it still yeah. is. Like well, I'm still the idiot of the podcast. But 150 but episodes later, of, I, the evolution of Matt is extraordinary. <laughs> I can I can make yeah. legitimate dishes now. I can make food and serve yeah. it to my fiance, and she won't die. At least not of my food. Could have before, but I think you're more motivated now. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think well, having not- having people around to eat food um, is a is a difference. I know? think that's true. I um, think there's I think, a satisfaction. I think cooking for yourself can be can be satisfactory and and okay. Um, yeah. But it takes a different, a very different motivation. It's much more fun to cook. When I would agree you're with eating that. with someone else. It's much more satisfying to have cooked for somebody. Whether it's just one person or a scat of people. It'd be like reading an article or writing an article and knowing that no one else is reading it. And it's yeah. just like, well, Very th- different. at this point. Yeah, it could be personally gratifying, but it also is not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, but where can people find more of this podcast? Because if this podcast, if people didn't listen to this podcast, that would be very disappointing as well. <laughs> it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same. And, if, and, if, and first of all, if you've got, yes, if you've gotten to 150, you have already found us, obviously. Um, one would you, hope, yeah. <laughs> um, but we can, be, we can be found at Food Crush Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the podcast can be found wherever podcasts are found. This is true. And where can people find you on them internets? In the same places. Same places. At Low Frederick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. How about you? Oh, me? Little me? Little you. Little me? You can find me at A Man About Film on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And that's it. That's all the places. Nowhere else. I don't exist otherwise. <laughs> At least that's right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. For the I, keep, I keep wondering when we're all going to have to, like, I don't know, join some new 
social platform. See, this is why I don't want to get on TikTok because I know as soon as I get on TikTok, everyone's going to be like, ah, I'm sorry, and they're going to Every- go and they're going to everyone's yeah, on it's be everyone's on else. Scrundle now. Yeah, everyone's yeah. left. Yeah. Well, at this point, like TikTok is almost moving on to Instagram, so I don't really like. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know I mean, that's everything going. that's on TikTok is basic TikTok. Yeah. What's happening for the one hundred and fiftieth time? Thank you to our wonderful producer Gabe. Thank you to my wonderful co-host Lori. Thank you to our wonderful guests, and thank you most of all to you all out there, to our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for keeping Food Crush going, and as always, for the one hundred and fiftieth time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep cooking. And keep cooking for another 150 episodes. Never stop cooking! Never stop cooking! 